Hi, and welcome to today's program. Today we have an unusual topic. We are going to talk about how your health can be affected by music. Now, for me personally, this was always something I was interested in. Uh, I was a little bit of a medical student by day, uh, rock and roller by night. But it was only uh, relatively recently that I learned that music also has medicinal effects. And Chuck Carroll, our weight loss champion, is going to talk with me about all this today. And I'm going to play a cut from my own band, Carbon Works, which I hope you enjoy. So, Chuck, let's get started. You're listening to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Sylvia Lucero, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your story, just everybody that comes in here and tells me these amazing success stories, each and every one of them, just they blow me away. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about this because you went through the 21-day Kickstart program. What brought you to the decision to go vegan? I had been wanting to make the complete change. I had been taking animal products out of my diet mm -hmm. as far as going to the grocery store and purchasing it, but I still would dabble in salmon here or chicken there when I was out um, to for dinner with friends. And then I went to the Green Festival in May at the Washington um, D.C. Convention Center, and I noticed that we had stopped at a booth with my parents and someone was talking about diet and they started to pay attention. And so I thought, this is, this is it. This is where I need to make the change. And so I started investigating and found Green Fair's 21-day Kickstart program and signed up. And, um, and then from there, I mean, it was fantastic, you know, especially that program. I don't know how everybody else does it, but I had the, the crutch, you know, that they gave you lunch and dinner prepared mm -hmm. and you were just responsible for breakfast. And then, of course, they were teaching you um, every Monday night with the materials. And um, and then from 21 days, when I saw my blood work change, my um, I dropped um, weight. Um, I was convinced. I was like, OK, I have to be able to do this. Um, it's just a matter of planning. So... Let's let's talk about the health benefits there. You were just talking about your weight coming down and, and your blood levels improving. But how were you feeling before you made this decision? It doesn't sound like you were feeling like you were very healthy, exceedingly healthy before you went this route. Um, no, I would not say that I was um, extremely healthy. If I, um, I wasn't cooking as much, um, I was doing a lot of takeout and a lot of processed food. Um, and this makes you realize that um, fresh greens, legumes, um, cooking for yourself is so much healthier. Now, you grew up in West Virginia mm -hmm. uh, in a uh, Latin family. So your diet growing up, shed some light on that for me. Uh, well, so I'm originally from Argentina, and Argentina is known for uh, meat-based um, diet. Um, it's very, very rare to have uh, vegetables in there. Um, At all? I mean, it's, you know, uh, have you ever heard of the onion? Um, that paper, <laughs> they have a book where you open it up on all the, the countries, and they said, here's a vegan diet for Argentina, and it's a big, huge steak. Wow. So we're just known for our our meats, and especially the steaks. Um, so we did have, um, you know, a lot of um, steaks, chicken, um, morcilla, which is the blood sausage, um, just, you know, every little piece of the cow or the goat um, is pretty much eaten. So um, it was it was a meat-based diet. Um, uh, yes, we had salads, you know, there um, and some vegetables, but 
Uh, my mother did all the cooking, and she still does all the cooking, which I admire that. So, But every dish, breakfast, lunch, dinner, had some sort of meat in it? I don't remember breakfast having meat, but definitely um, lunch and dinner. So, But that was all you knew kind of growing up, right? Yes. So you're from Argentina originally. When did, you, when did your family immigrate to the U.S.? Despite that my friends do not let me say I'm an immigrant, I came here when I was three months old. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, you know, you you are. I'm going to give you born and raised here in the U.S. I mean, three months. Come on. Come oh, on. gosh. But my parents were immigrants. So uh, we spoke Spanish in the house. Gotcha. And, and you were living in West Virginia. In West right? Virginia. That's that's fast. How was that? I mean, I know that that's completely off topic. But how was that? Um, the census uh, did the Hispanics four check. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> The whole state for. Uh, but um, we did find a huge um, Filipino community, and the Philippines were conquered by Spain, so they actually embraced us. So we have a lot of Filipino friends who, you. ironically, some of them moved to Centerville, so we still see them. Now, look at you with a little bit of history. <laughs> um, so, obviously, then you come to the U.S., and the diets here. Unhealthy, but certainly a little bit different than than being so meat heavy. I don't know. I think the standard American diet is pretty neck to neck with um, the Argentine diet. If if I were to critique, <laughs> come on, America, we can do better. Uh, so, are you the only one in your family then that kind of went plant based and your eyes were opened, or now you're an advocate for them? Yes, yes, very much. Um, when I made the change. And especially because um, the Kickstart program, um, they took or they gave you the the script to go do your blood work um, before and after. And I knew that because my father was a a physician, that if I showed him my blood work and how it had dropped significantly, uh, he would at least have to take notice. Um, And he did. He was really impressed with how just by changing my diet for 21 days, all my blood work dropped. Um, And so from that moment on, my mother cold turkey changed and said, I'm going to start um, cooking plant-based. I can cook for you separately. And he said, no, that's okay. You don't have to make two different meals. And so from that moment on, so after 21 days, June, uh, in the month of June, 2016, my mother went vegan and um, has been vegan ever since. Wow. Hold on. And you actually brought your levels. I just want to hold this up for the camera in case you're watching this online. So that's the uh, before and here are the after. No way that you can actually make out these numbers, but I'm looking at them and I'm just blown away. Like everything dropped for your cholesterol. Just, I mean, it plummeted. Mm-hmm. It plummeted in just 21 days. That's cool. <laughs> now, you said that your father was a physician, right? Mm-hmm. He worked with children. My biological father Correct. was a, a, a pediatrician and neonatologist. And my stepfather was the heart surgeon. Now, that's fascinating. A heart surgeon who, and you said that he suffered a heart attack, correct? And he suffered a heart attack. Wow. So, but um, he knows about the blockage, that, the damage that we do just from our diet alone. Um, so that's why I think his, his medical background, his own medical history, and then seeing this has really convinced him he's, 
I mean, I mean, you know, it's hard to change. And the older we get, it's even harder to change. And yet he's willing to make that change. Talk to me about that conversation when you first approached him about the plant-based diet and the health benefits there. Was he a skeptic at first? Because doctors, by and large, that's a lot of the work that we do here at the Physicians Committee is like trying to get doctors to actually learn about nutrition and preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like he got much of that when he was in medical school. No, neither. Uh, they'll both tell you that they didn't get that um, Nutrition is it's barely talked about, um, but I think um, because my my family knows I'm I'm an advocate for the environment, and so we had all gone to the Green Festival. And when Tony, my stepfather, was listening to this woman talk about diet and about food, I could see that he was at least open to mm-hmm. what she was saying. Um, and that's what kind of propelled me to take um, the 21-day kickstart. And I especially liked it because of the blood work. The blood work for me was, it's factual. Right. The numbers don't lie. So um, if, if it truly works, then we're going to see the results. And when I um, went to their house and showed him the results, he was dumbfounded. Um, so I think that's when he started to realize, okay, <laughs> this is possible. And how's he doing now? He's doing good. He's doing good. Uh, He's flexible. We can't call him a vegan because every now and then he'll have his salmon um, for the um, omega-3s. But for the most part, from how he was eating to how he's eating now, it's a dramatic loss. And what about your mom? Is she, a, I guess, a flexitarian as well? No, she is completely vegan. Good. good she good. does not stray. You have any siblings? I do have a sister. Mm-hmm. Did Did you get her on board? We can't. We're We're uh, We're just trying to show by example. Um, and uh, every time you know we go, we're trying like Thanksgiving. I I made a lentil loaf, you know, hoping to see you know see this is good too. So. Slowly but surely. I do see that now when we go out, she'll she'll choose more plant-based options, which that makes me happy. I can see that she's paying attention to the weight loss that both my mother and I had, um, because I think sometimes for women, just the weight loss alone um, can propel you to be interested in what's someone doing. And I guess the last question I have for you is compare how you felt before to how you felt or how you feel today. I mean, fantastic, you know, more energy, you're, um, it, you just feel healthier, you really do feel healthier, because you, you know what you're putting inside of your body now, and you're, you're choosing better options. So for that reason, I feel really good that I made this change. Well, good. well you, you look super healthy, your <laughs> eyes sparkle, your teeth are sparkling, like, you, you, you are just a bundle of energy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. Sylvia uh, Lucero, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on that transformation. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're continuing to listen to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Music and medicine with the Grammys on the way this weekend. This is all very exciting. It all ties together. And, of course, we have our own resident musician just upstairs, but he he journeyed down here to the second floor studio. Dr. Barnard, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Chuck. Great to be with you. Now, you are a music guy. I mean, you're so inspired by music that you actually you started your own band, Carbon Works. Yeah. Um, when I was a little kid... Growing up in Fargo, North Dakota, my parents had the idea that any civilized person ought to play an instrument, hopefully two instruments. So I was sort of chained to the piano and the cello 
all during my, my upbringing. And then when the Beatles arrived in the 60s, I thought, wow, now you're talking real music. So I took up the guitar. And ever since then, I've had bands. Um, in fact, Carbon Works is my latest, but it's actually my third third record. Um, and it, it's been... Don't want to brag too much, but <laughs> we, we have had two songs actually in the top forty. Look um, at you! Yeah, so it's, it's you know we didn't write it for that reason, um, but I'm glad that people enjoy it. Right, you're just a Renaissance man, a doctor, a nutrition guru, and a rock and roller. It's all medicine. See, music has no cholesterol. Mm, there you go. Very good point. Good uh, for your heart. That's that's a good point. I mean, that's a great segue. Music is medicine. I mean, from the things that I was reading and the discussions you and I have had off air, I mean, there are really a lot of medicinal uh, benefits. Um, a lot of it seems to be tied to improved memory. Well, where this has been exploited is in people when an older person develops Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and as time goes on, goes on, the cognitive parts of the brain are being destroyed. In other words, they can't remember a word. They can't remember a, a, a name. They can't remember the name of their children, their own, their own spouse. Um, and if you do a brain scan, the, the brain is actually just shriveling up. It's, the, the brain cells are being destroyed. However, if you s- sing a song that this person maybe knew when they were an adolescent, They'll start singing along with you. Mm-hmm. Or you just speak the words and they'll start to sing it. And if you get the words wrong, they'll correct you. And what we've discovered is that the music recognition circuitry is preserved even when the rest of the brain is being destroyed. It's preserved for a longer period of time. And so where people have been using this is when a person is really forgetful and they're, they're not connecting with anybody, and then, then their mood will collapse because you've got zero support. Everything that you ever loved is gone. You can reawaken those memories and all the emotions, the good emotions that go with them come back too. And then also for people who are agitated, uh, a person with advanced Alzheimer's disease, they're agitated and every day at 4.30 she starts pacing around. What you do is about 30 minutes every day starting just before that time of peak agitation, play some music. Hmm. And it works just like a medicine with no bad side effects at all. So it really does work. Does it matter what type of music it is? I mean, like, I'm a hip-hop guy. Like, I love hip-hop. So, you know, 60 years from now where, I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of getting ready to shuffle off. I mean, is if I hear, you know, a good hip-hop song, is that still going to have the same thing as opposed to Tchaikovsky? Yes. Ooh. Exactly. And here's, here's why that's so important. Okay, Grandma's in the nursing home, so what would she like to hear? Uh, we'll play her the Beatles' favorite hits played by the Holly Ridge strings in these schlocky editions. Uh, and, you know, she probably hated that when she was young. Right. And, in fact, that's probably what they were playing when she had her last root canal in the dentist's office. So, you know, don't play that. What kind of music should you play for her or, or for anybody? What you do is you ask. And if she can't tell you, you ask the family members. When she was little, hmm, who was her favorite singer? What was the favorite band? Uh, uh, did she have some records? And then play those, and then you'll discover, now I'm connecting to all those old memories. So if she hated bluegrass, it's not bluegrass. <laughs> if, if, she, if she hated hip-hop, don't play that. If you want to reactivate those memories, it's got to be something that she knew that she loved. Uh, so for you, God forbid you're ever in that uh, that position, early Beatles or later Beatles? 
When I was, uh, you know, when the Beatles came in, for me it was like, um, I really shouldn't date myself, but what can I do? Uh, it was like the black and white world turning into, into color. Suddenly um, life was worth living again. Um, and then I kind of went on to all kinds of other music, and I got interested in in blues music and the Eric Clapton's and the Jimi Hendrix's of the world and got into jazz. And then when I was in medical school here in Washington, and I had my own band, um, I lived in Arlington, Virginia, where there was a lot of Vietnamese stores, and mm -hmm. I bu started buying Vietnamese records. And I happened to discover that the scale, the pentatonic scale that's used in Vietnamese music, is identical to the blues scale that's played in Memphis or somewhere else. And I started, I know this sounds crazy, Chuck, you can integrate Asian music with American rock and roll. And so that's what we started to do. And on the Carbon Works record, you will hear some of the greatest Vietnamese musicians in the world playing with some of the greatest jazz musicians in the world simultaneously. And it works really, really well. You know, it's it's really cool how you got that intertwined. Yeah, that, that's right. It's, it's only because I love this music. And it's what my brain started to hear and what I put together. But I was kind of nervous about it also because I thought... My Vietnamese friends might say, wait a minute, you're stealing our stuff and you shouldn't be doing this. But I have to say I was really reassured because um, after my previous record, which was called Verdun, uh, in 2009, uh, at the, the Library of Congress had a big event honoring the and commemorating the Vietnamese boat people. Mm -hmm. um, many, many people died fleeing Vietnam at the end of the war, and they were being commemorated. At the end of that celebration, they asked if they could use a song that I had um, used. It's kind of my way of morphing American music and Vietnamese music. And they said, this is exactly the theme that we want. And it was played on the National Mall to, to end this. And I thought that's, that's at least validation. And I was glad that they, they really enjoyed it. That is very cool. Um, I want to circle back to kind of the science in this. And music, not just good for the memory, but it's kind of a painkiller as well, right? An amazing thing. Um, you're having a hip hip surgery and you know, a hip replacement or something like that or you know, somebody's going into the uh the operating room for a hernia or whatever it might be um you can give them a valium type drug to stop the anxiety on the way in turns out that that, that yes you can reduce anxiety with a drug but if you play music in, in the right way it actually has the effect of a drug it will knock out anxiety better than the drug. Now, how can that be? Because if I drug away your anxiety, you don't feel quite in control. And yes, you know, you're feeling calmer, but you're also feeling less in charge of things. If it's music, it's you. Um, so people actually rate their anxiety less. And then when you come out of surgery, um, you don't have to tell the person why you're doing this. You just say, I want you to listen to music that you've pre-selected. And over the next 24 hours, you just add up how many pain pills they are taking. It's substantially less. Wow. Um, if they have no music, it doesn't happen. You can do this in the labor and delivery suite. A woman's giving birth. If you give her music that she has pre-selected, that she likes, it has about the equivalent of her getting a massage full-time, full-body through the entire birthing process. And by that, I mean she will. if you ask her to rate her pain, it's substantially less if you play music. Now, don't get me wrong. Music isn't going to mean that we never need drugs again. But if you use it in the right way, you have a lot less need for the medication. Right. I could use some music right now, man. Why don't, why don't we hear one of your cuts? Oh, thanks. Let's do it. Um, let's play Samurai. I've got to tell you, this is a song that I wrote for any musician out there who is wondering, what the heck is that? It's in 15-8 time. And uh, if you like it, go on YouTube, and you've got to watch the video that goes with it. The cutest little samurai girl is uh, going to tell the story of the song. 
Exam Room brought to you by the Physicians Committee, and that was Samurai by Carbon Works. Good cut there. Yeah, thank you. You know, I hope people get a chance to go on YouTube. And, and the reason is when we recorded that song, to me it sounds a little bit of a, an aggressive cut. I mean, it's pretty much full tilt rock and roll. But if you look at the YouTube video, there's the cutest little girl who is the star of the video. And it just melts through all that song. She's lying in bed, uh, surrounded by all of her stuffed animals that she loves. And she's a real animal kid. And she wakes up, and there's a uh, rock and roll band in her bedroom. And the guitarist, who's me, gives her a sword. And she then becomes magically a samurai <laughs> who uses this sword to cut the chains to free all of her animal friends. And it's, it's a, kind of a silly video, but with a very touching, animal-friendly message. And I hope people like it. How great is that? Well, I certainly liked it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, CarbonWorks.com as well, right? Uh, CarbonWorks Music. CarbonWorks Music. Yeah, CarbonWorksMusic.com. Go check that out, people. Um, so we've talked about how the brain reacts to foods and lighting up the pleasure centers, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of the same uh, with music, right? Surprisingly, yes. And the, where we started being concerned about this or interested in it was people are eating bad foods to get dopamine in their brain. They're taking drugs. They're drinking to get dopamine released in the brain. Well, is there a healthier way to do that? Um, Instead of overeating junk food, you can 
exercise. That'll give you some dopamine. Um, in fact, even just personal intimacy. If you're with friends, um, you get a little bit of dopamine as well. And the more intimate it is, the more dopamine you get. But it turns out if you put people in a brain scanner and you start playing music to them, you get dopamine released in the brain. And it happens in a couple of phases. Um, you're listening to a song that you know. And a musical peak is coming up. That anticipation phase is when you get the first little dopamine squirt in the brain. Yeah. And then when you arrive there, it's the hallelujah chorus and, you know, this, <laughs> the song is at full tilt. Then you get that extra bit of dopamine there. And so my point is that unlike junk food and unlike alcohol and so forth, music's not going to hurt you. If anything, it's going to be good for you. So plug these things into your life. And maybe you won't need to hit the Doritos quite as often. Yeah, well, if you're not hitting the Doritos quite as often naturally, then I would think that you start to lose a little bit of weight, right? Well, that's the idea. So if you go to, say, a Zumba class, what are they doing? Okay, um, exercise, that releases dopamine. You're with a lot of other people, and they make sure that everyone's, like, super engaged. That intimacy brings dopamine, and they're playing music full tilt, getting you into it. And there's a reason why people come back again and again and again, and they never stop in the middle of the class to say, I think I'll go have a donut. You know, <laughs> that, that doesn't happen because these other things are giving you the dopamine hit. Um, so I, I don't mean to, to suggest that this takes the place of having a little bit of resolve and having a plan and having a good diet. Sure. But when you have a good diet, I'm going to follow a low-fat, healthy vegan diet, but plug into your life regular exercise, plug into your life some social supports, that's the, the interpersonal part, and plug in a little bit of beauty. So that's the music part. And if your life is empty and sedentary and alone, you are going to fill that void with junk food, unhealthy things. Don't so, want that. So don't let that happen. So basically what you're saying is shake what your mama gave you, crank up the music <laughs> real loud, and you're going to be in a good way there. It's going to help you. It's going to help you. There will, still, there will still be all kinds of seductions out there. There's going to be bad food dangling in front of you all the time, but you will have a little bit more power against it. That's awesome. And, and you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit uh, earlier. The kind of music that you listen to, does that affect the dopamine that's released in the brain? You know, you would think it's got to be happy music. It's got to be upbeat music. It's got to be a Zumba class. Well, not exactly. Hmm. Um, in brain scanning, and a lot of this has been done at McGill University in Canada. They've done amazing studies. They have discovered that you can play very sad music to a person. It will, uh, like uh, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, it's very grave sounding. Nobody, nobody would call that a toe tapper. But it's so beautiful that the brain still recognizes it as a positive dopamine trigger. Um, happy music as well. But the real key, we were talking about this a little bit before, it cannot be music that you personally just dislike. Um, so, like, if, if uh, Dixieland is not your thing, you are not going to get a good dopamine hit from Dixieland. And, and honestly, I do not know why. One person likes one kind of music. Another person likes another. It's a huge cultural thing. Yeah. Uh, I grew up way before there was such a thing as hip-hop. And I remember when I was in medical school and... Um, disco came in, and I thought, oh, please. <laughs> like, like, no, that was like not what I wanted to have. Um, but on the other hand, why is it that one person likes bluegrass, another person likes jazz, somebody else likes something, or somebody like me, where with Carbon Works, I've been mixing it all together. There's classical, there's rock. Um, it's kind of like a chef mixing you know, sweet and sour and finding that it actually works out. 
So no hip-hop whatsoever? It's just not your thing? You know, you never want to rule anything out because I got to say, you know, there have been times where a certain kind of music I was a little bit allergic to, but then you hear it in a way that touches you and you decide, now I get it. Yeah. And I've had that experience so many times. And, and, and it's funny. I was, um, when Carbon Works was recording, there was one song where it, it, was, it was a song about an encounter with a deer in the forest. Mm-hmm. And it was a very mu- uh, moving in my view, very moving song. It was called A Song Song for an Angel. And I didn't have quite the right piece for it. And I was happened to be jogging one day. I was in Sacramento running down the road listening to a European radio station. And I heard this voice of an angel. And it was a, a woman from who grew up in the Italian Alps named Naif, N-A-I-F. And I went on, I, I heard this song, and I thought, that is amazing. That's exactly the voice I need. And so I found her, and I emailed her, and I said, you have to come and be in Carbon Works. And she did. And she <laughs> came. Do you think I know one thing about Italian music? It like, wouldn't surprise me. You know a little <laughs> bit about everything. Not one thing. Zero. Um, we didn't speak the same language or anything like that, but she came here to Washington. We hit it up. We had a fabulous time. She recorded uh, two songs for us, and she really does have the voice of an angel. So the moral of the story is don't be closed-minded. Be open-minded. You never know what's going to help you. You never know what kind of things are going to touch your heart. And if they do touch it in a good way, plug it, plug it in, share it with other people. And that beauty will help you to push away some of the creepy things that are trying to hurt us. Well, I'm going to bring you in some early hip-hop, maybe the, uh, the Sugar Hill Gang, something like that. Start, start me off easy. I will. I okay. will. It, it will baby step it. And then, you you know, bring me in some of your stuff as well. Maybe some classical, maybe some Italian music. We'll, we'll do a music swap. Well, you know, I want to say a big shout out to my pal, Waka Flocka Flame. Hey, now. He was the great. He did. You might have seen this. He did a video for the Physicians Committee, which you can see on our website. Priceless. And it is so hysterical. He, he well, I, I just got to let pe- people check it out. So if there's one thing that makes me absolutely adore hip-hop and, and that whole world, it's when somebody comes and says, I want to help you. He has done that, and several, several others have, too. Well, let's, uh, let's put a cap on this because, you know, we're, we're talking about dopamine. We're talking about feeling good, a little bit of weight loss in there. Music, then, you could surmise is also a natural energy booster. Yeah, it, it really can be. Um, and people use it for exactly that purpose. And it can also be something to mellow you out at the end of the day. Um, the point is, it's not just your ears. It affects your brain, and your brain then also determines your appetites, your, how you behave. And so if you use music a little bit as medicine, it's not just fun. It's actually helping you physically. There you go. Dr. Barnard, thank you very much. Uh, you got a quick little outro from you coming up in just a little bit. But uh, thanks for joining us. I mean, the Grammy Awards are coming up this weekend. This has been a lot of fun. I'm waiting for their phone call. <laughs> <laughs> the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee is what you're listening to. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, on Twitter at Chuck Carroll WLC. Music and medicine is the topic du jour for this here episode with the Grammys coming up this weekend. Of course, parties galore, music's biggest night of the year. And what is a party without something delicious? And who has whipped up something delicious for us? Registered dietitian from the Barnard Medical Center, Allie Lunning. Hello, Allie. Hey. <laughs> These, I, you know, these look great to me. They actually kind of remind me of a Laura bar, maybe something like that, but I'm not going to spoil it. I know that you gave these a really fun name. So pull back the curtain. Let's unveil these bad boys. What are we eating here today? 
chunky monkey truffle bites. Say what? <laughs> say, say it again. You can't say that without smiling. <laughs> chunky monkey truffle bites. And I guarantee if you're listening to this right now and you heard chunky monkey truffle bites, you're probably giggling to yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you're on the metro and uh, people are looking at you like you're crazy. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. I mean, these things look absolutely divine, and I would be thrilled to serve this up at my Grammy party should I be having one. Um, but what is in the Chunky Monkey Truffle Bite? So it is a combination of actually they've, they've made these things called banana chips, and this is like dehydrated bananas. Okay. Um, so there's no added oil in them. You could take them, and what I not what I had done was I just ground them into a fine powder, mm-hmm. and then I mixed them with dates that I pureed, and I added some walnuts and cocoa nibs, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Oh man! So what is that? Five ingredients? Four ingredients? I can't count. Anyway, super <laughs> super simple. So. Um, Everything seems like it would be pretty easy to put together. What was the process there? Uh, So because I used a bullet-type blender, Mm -hmm. I just processed everything separately, and then I just combined everything together in one bowl until I made, like, this paste. Afterwards, I just kind of scooped everything into one-tablespoon-sized pieces with wet hands, rolled these puppies up, and then if I wanted to decorate them, which I did, I I toss them in cocoa powder, and then I toss them in coconut. That is amazing. And now we have these on big sticks. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the question that everybody always wants to know is because everybody's on a time crunch. What is the prep time here? Prep time for this, uh, I would say no more than 30 minutes, really? truly. And if you have a food processor... You could just dump everything in that, and absolutely, it would take like less than fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Now you went to Johnson and Wales, so I would imagine that your kitchen is pretty well equipped with all sorts of fun stuff. I try, um, but I do try to keep myself uh, as little. You know, I try to not be so cluttered. So I have like a blender, I have a coffee pot. And I got a cutting board. There you go. <laughs> Blender, coffee pot, cutting board. Notice she didn't say knife. She chops everything <laughs> by hand. Uh, okay. Well, let's see here. I'm curious about the cacao powdered uh, one. So I'm going to try this here. Look at this. I'm going to hold this up for the camera. Look at that stick. <laughs> Isn't that something? I'm yes. sure that, you know, when you welcome a guest to your house, you're like, here, have a chunky monkey truffle. One, they're going to be like, wow, they went all gourmet. Like, that's like saying caviar. I know that that's not vegan, but that's like... Ooh, la, la. Well, you use the word truffle and immediately people are like, hey, level up. You could even take like gold powder and dust it on these things. For sure. And folks, don't, it's just date nut balls to have like a simpler name for it. But mm-hmm. you made it a gold powdered fancy date nut ball extravaganza. A.K.A. Chunky Monkey Truffle. That's it. Now, <laughs> with this being a music themed episode, when I think Chunky Monkey, for some reason, I want to say like the Grateful Dead or something like that. No, oh, uh, not 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 the Grateful Dead, but I was thinking about the um, the Gorillas uh, mm. because I know that they're up for a couple of awards, and just they're kind of a old school favorite of mine. Um, definitely want to vote for them in whatever efforts they're kind of pushing forward. I'm gonna vote for this. This is awesome. <laughs> um, wow, two things. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the gorillas were still on the music scene. Yeah, yeah, they are. David Alburn. Um, I haven't been uh, working in music radio for some time. That's kind of how I got my start in media. 
But the last I remember from the gorillas, as we chow down on these, uh, as people want to know a little bit of music history, the last I remember of them was Clint Eastwood. Hmm. You remember that one? I do, yeah. I love the music videos that came out around that time mm-hmm. for those. They had another CD that came out in like 2009 or 2010, Plastic Beach. Mm. That one's really fun. I'm going to have to check that one out, too. Mm-hmm. Hello, Spotify. <laughs> Uh, the thing that I like about them, real quick, I'm going to take another bite here, um, is that their lyricist in there, at least on Clint Eastwood, his name is fantastic. Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah. How great is that name? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I be Chuck the Funky Homo Sapien? You could be. Who's stopping you? I don't know. <laughs> Physicians I'm... Committee, Chuck the Funky Homo Sapien. Way better than the weight loss champion. I'm very proud of that <laughs> distinction, but... The funky Homo sapien just has a ring to it. Yeah. All right. So a half an hour to make these things. Uh, we've got cacao powder uh, gracing the outside of some. We've got shredded coconut on some other. And then uh, we just left some others plain. Yeah. So just like chunky monkey kind of monk, monkey, not monkey flavored, <laughs> banana flavored, banana flavored truffles with these cocoa nibs. It's just like such an awesome combination. So Definitely, I was really happy with this outcome, and I'm glad you are too. And I hope everyone else gets to try it. And they will, because we're going to put this recipe up on pcrm.org slash podcast. Go download it and uh, make it for yourself, and then tweet us. I, yeah, I would love to see the creations that you guys come up with for the Chunky Monkey Truffle. Uh, at PCRM, that's uh, that's the podcast there on Twitter. Would love to see what you guys do in the kitchen. But, uh, Ali, uh, real quick, you're on the Instagram as well? Mm-hmm. My Instagram is uh, the little green pea. Plenty. And there you can see all kinds of adventures with this stuff, all of my culinary feats. <laughs> Ali Lunning, well, this feat is out of this world. Thank you very much. Again, pcrm.org slash podcast. We're going to have the recipe up for Chunky Monkey Truffles. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's program. And one last thing before you go, a little quick tip. You know, we've talked about music. Music is fun. Music might be even medicinal. But you know what? There's just one more piece of it. And that is music can be a way of conveying a concept in a new language. So here at the Physicians Committee, we're always trying to help people to take care of themselves, to have a heart for their loved ones, to have a heart for animals and laboratories, and to find better ways. Well, music is a way to reach people, not so much through the mind, but through their heart. And for me, when I compose music, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to create a language that I hope will reach people. And I hope it reaches you too. So thanks for joining us.